Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Welcome to Football Social Daily. I'm Jim Salverson and this is your daily Premier League podcast. There are three massive games to look at on today's show. Liverpool continuing their almost inevitable march to the Champions League final with a quick-fire double last night that saw them gain victory over Unai Emery's Villarreal. West Ham, they're going to be hoping for similar tonight as they seek to finish Captain Mark Noble's West Ham career on a high with a place in the Europa League. Barcelona beating Frankfurt stand in their way there. And there is still plenty to be decided in the Premier League too. Not least who's going to get those top four spots. Two hopefuls in that department meet tonight in the league with Manchester United welcoming Chelsea to Old Trafford. There's a definite red bias on the podcast today to talk about all those games and that United game with two United fans sitting alongside me. We've got regular Joel Tudor and a debut appearance from Dan Harris, the host of United Rewind, an excellent Manchester United podcast you can find elsewhere on the Sports Social Podcast Network, which we'll talk a little bit more about later too. But how are we doing, boys? Are we ready for today? Oh, cannot wait. Hello, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Another United game. God. (laughs) That, it's a unique. At least everyone gets to watch some real quality football tonight. <laughs> not like that rubbish last night. Yeah, we're not on Europe, camera, but I literally I'm sitting here with my head in my hands. The quality football will come in the Europa League game, Joel. Not the uh, not the Premier League game that we're going to talk about shortly. True. It's interesting, true. United fans at the moment. There's certainly not a uh, excitement when it comes to playing games in any competition. But we will get onto that Manchester United versus Chelsea game shortly. But we have to start with last night's game: Liverpool two, Villarreal. Nil. It felt to me, Dan, and I don't know whether you share this as a United fan, but it felt like there was a certain inevitability about last night for Liverpool. And it seems to be inevitability that's there. Whoever they play, they just feel like a team at the moment that can't stop winning. 
Uh, yeah, I, I have to confess, I didn't see the game. I was at the premiere of the KLF film, which is great, and everyone should see it. Um, uh, that felt like a better way of spending my time. But the, I mean, ultimately, like you mentioned, I guess we're referring to Liverpool through United. So the most obvious thing to say here is that even United beat Villarreal twice, and other and getting them in the semi-final of the Champions League it reminded me of when United got Schalke in 2011, and that United mm. team wasn't even any good. But you knew when this, when they got that team in the semi-final that there was absolutely nothing that was going to stop them getting to the final. And as you say, yeah. Liverpool are just much too much better than Villarreal to lose a semi to them. Does it feel like Liverpool have had an easy run in this Champions League? Because they've got Villarreal this uh, leg. They had is it Benfica, I think they'd be in the last leg. Whereas you've got City who have faced off against Real Madrid and their tie. So does it feel like Liverpool have been given a bit of an easy ride through this competition? You're setting me up to make myself look extremely <laughs> bitter here because it's not just that. Like Liverpool have had, got, got to play Champions League finals against Bruges, Borussia Mönchengladbach and Tottenham. So, uh, I mean, so this is something I grew up with and have had to get used to again. But it's a cup competition and sometimes you get easy draws and I can't sit here and say, well... Liverpool have had an easy draw when they're breezing their way through to the Champions League final and they're doing really well in the league and they're in the FA Cup final and they've won the League Cup. I'm afraid I have to accept the fact that this is a very useful team. Mm. I guess, Joel, that probably leads into some of the criticism that actually has been levelled at Liverpool for last night's performance, which seems ridiculous when they've just dominated a... Champions League semi-final first leg but some people saying that it should have been far more convincing their win in fact it was really only a 10 minute spell in the game where Liverpool looked like Liverpool and looked like they were at the levels that we expect from them but it, it, surely at this stage it's all about the result the performance doesn't necessarily matter I mean, how much more convincing do you want? They had them pinned back for about 90 minutes for the whole game I don't think <laughs> Villarreal even had a shot on target um, it was yeah, it's difficult to watch, but as a neutral, I mean, the quality was just ridiculous. It just felt as though, like you said at the start, Jim, there was just an air of inevitability. It just feels that way in every Liverpool game. Even when you see it at a half-time, nil-nil, you just kind of know that the tide's going to turn one way or the other, whether it's the 80th minute or the 95th minute. It seems as though they are going to score, and the quality on every area of the pitch, when you had you know Trent Alexander-Arnold, who was just, precision-like with his crossing and you had Mane and Salad. Every player knows their, their role and what pass to make and, you know, fair play to Villarreal for the first half. They defended out of the skin. Liverpool probably should have put the tie away in the first half, in all honesty, but it's I don't know how much more convincing you want. I feel like they've got so much expectation that they've raised for themselves now that everyone's just expecting these 4-0 wins against these sides, but, you know, Villarreal is exactly what Dan said. It is like a kind of Schalke moment where the team isn't exactly the best it's probably the easiest tie they could have had they're going to give themselves a good pat on the backs after the two legs but it's 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 a it's a free pass to the final I mean this United side beat them home and away this season so uh, you, you can read between the lines on that one <laughs> do you think that's it then Joel is that it tie done because I mean t- two nils not a impossible mountain to climb particularly with the removal of kind of the away goals so that won't bother Villarreal too much they didn't score at Anfield but that is that pretty much it should Liverpool fans be booking their flights you would think so I just I think Emery will definitely change a lot of things around he'll have learned a hell of a lot from that first tie but even still 
Liverpool have got just a ridiculous amount of quality that, and even Klopp, he'll probably start the same way. They'll go about it in the exact same way. They'll probably try and blow them out of the water in the first 10, 15 minutes and completely finish the tie off, I think, rather than going really conservative and holding that 2-0 lead because one goal for Villarreal in the first half an hour and suddenly the whole Asturias fans are going to be on the case. Uh, all 50,000 of them probably able to hear them all around the stadium. It's that small of a city. Um, I, I I do think that it's pretty much tie over. They've been convincing in every single one, I think, bar the Inter Milan one at Anfield, where Inter Milan actually took that game. But again, I feel as though Inter Milan probably had more quality. But you can't rule them out, of course. Champions League, anything can happen. But I mean, Liverpool just got too much for them, as we saw yesterday. I think what we saw, what you said about how Liverpool, they scored, they only played well for 10 minutes. That's what happens with good teams. I mean, for... I watched Manchester United under Fergie for 20 odd years, 20, 20 odd years, whatever many years it was. And that's what happened. Like, you don't play well for 90 minutes in every game. There'll be games where a quality team playing a team that are less good will just do enough to get the win or get the convincing win. And sometimes it happens that you keep scoring goals, and other times you just have a little purple patch, put the game to bed, and that's what happens. And that's what, that's what Liverpool did. I mean, it's almost what they did against United, really. that they killed the game in the first half an hour and then the rest of it were just knocking about because they've still got a lot of big games to play. They need to win prob- almost all of them and you end up the t- conserving energy because the ability to compete at an intense level over and over and over again, it's not really possible. So what you see is teams conserving energy, not just physical energy either, like the mental, the mental intensity it requires to compete at this level and keep producing over and over again so that that you're not going to get an absolutely manic 90 minute performance against the team they know they're going to beat in a two-legged tie when they're a tune up already it's interesting you mentioned Manchester United under Fergie we'll come back to that very shortly but Liverpool are now in this unprecedented and impossible position where they can still win the quadruple they've got eight games in 31 days now which is a hell of a schedule to face but I guess every single one of those is going to be vital in them achieving what they want to do now Joel they can't lose any of those which seems almost impossible but yet at the same time as we said with Liverpool eminently possible at the same time yeah I mean if you look at the amount of games that they've lost in the last year as in like what 365 days I think it's about four games which tells you everything you need to know the momentum is firmly on their shoulders in the last month I think they won one drew one uh, sorry won seven drew one which is just ridiculous form so they have it in them and I think the big difference with this Liverpool side now is that they actually have a bit more depth I think in the last few years once you got away from Salah Firmino and Mane the defend uh, the substitutes bench didn't really have it was a massive step down in quality where you had Shakiri and players who couldn't really make a massive impact now you have Diaz and you have Jota to come on so I think they're in a much better position now um, I'd like to think that they'll only win the Capital One Cup and then <laughs> I mean the Carabao Cup and then um, they'll just kind of pave off into the sunset a little bit but I think they're going to win more than that I don't know which ones though just to add to that stat on Liverpool's form at the moment they've only lost one game in 2022 so far that was the second leg of the Champions League last 16 tie versus Inter Milan on the way to those victories they've scored 135 goals so far this year as well which is just absolutely insane going back to what you were saying Dan about Manchester United under Fergie widely accepted 
particularly that treble winning team as the greatest Premier League team of all time. I think there are very few fans that would argue with that. Liverpool, if they win the quadruple, does that take that title? <laughs> Just the question you want with a hangover. Um, <laughs> um, I, I mean, I kind of, I think with any with any discussion about who the best team is, the first question is, what did they win? And the reason, because that's that's subjective. Did what did they win? So it definitely puts them in the conversations. If they won everything, then you can't do better than that. So. As it happens, like so, that if you asked me at the moment, the teams that I would say are the best are United's team of '99 to 2001 and '07 to 2009. And the reason I would say that is that they they won the most. They're the only teams that have won three league titles in a row, and they're the only team to win the Champions League and the league title in the same season. So, but the other questions you might ask is who did they beat or what did they do at, at, at clutch moments? And I think that. Though the, the United team in 98-99 beat a lot of good teams. Like if you look at their run to the cup final, they had to beat Liverpool, they had to beat Arsenal. Um, they had to beat, and they got they got a gimme in the actual final, but they, had, they also had to knock out Chelsea after a replay. In the Champions League, they had to get out of group with Bayern Munich and Barcelona in it. Then they played Inter, Juventus and Bayern Munich again. So that's also part of it. And then in your then the other thing is that in your mind, you're thinking, well, what would happen if this team played that team? As it happens... When I think about the great teams of the Premier League era, this Liverpool team are a team that I think would match up quite well against the United teams because I think they have a lot of space in behind the fullbacks. Now, most clubs, most teams aren't good enough to exploit that. We saw Everton try and do it at the weekend, though, and they did. They didn't quite have the quality when they got in behind there. But I would love to see Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson handle Ryan Giggs and David Beckham and play in the way that they play. But if they did win everything, I mean your conversation about the best team would have to start with them, much as it makes me feel ill to say that, because they won the most. And everything beyond that is is conjecture, it's subjective. Then you're starting to say, well, look, did they beat a team who were this good? Or would they match up well? Because, so, if you're asking me right now, do I think they're the best Premier League team of all time? My answer is no. And I don't actually think they're that close in that if I took United out of the equation, because I'm biased... I would put above this Liverpool team currently the Guardiola's first team that had David Silva and Aguero and company in it. I'd put um, Mourinho's Chelsea above them and I would put um, Arsenal probably 0-2 above them as well. But if Liverpool win everything, then your conversation necessarily has to start with Liverpool because of those subject of those objective facts. They would have won the most. Because so, as you say, it's a big if at the moment because there are still eight games that go between a Liverpool team winning the League Cup and a Liverpool team winning the League Cup, the FA Cup, the Champions League and the Premier League. It's a it's it's oh, man. it's a, it's a big it's a big month ahead. If it does happen, Joel, I mean, it's looking like the odds are on an all English final at the moment. City have got the edge over Madrid, although that's not going to be an easy second leg. Liverpool, we're pretty confident they'll overcome Villarreal in their second leg and they'll be in the final. If it is City versus Liverpool, who are you backing, Joel? Well, I mean, in that scenario, I think there's massive pressure on Guardiola because he's yet to win a Champions League without that Barcelona side. Um, he couldn't do it at Bayern with, and that was an incredible side. He couldn't do it at City still. I would, on this occasion, I think he would go over the line, um, especially after losing to Chelsea as well a couple of years ago. 
it was um i think that was a, a disaster for him because i think they sh- they should have easily won that that uh, final but chelsea were just they just had them in every single area um and if they can't win the premier league as well and they lose it to liverpool it's going to be a, it'll be a disaster season for him i think i think he needs that champions league more than anyone I don't think many people doubt him, but they doubt his ability at the moment to get over the line in Europe without the likes of Messi, Xavi, Iniesta. Um, And so this is his chance to really put all those criticisms to bed and prove that, well, despite the fact that he's been bankrolled to a ridiculous extent, um, he can still get over the line in Europe. But I... I would back City on this occasion, I think. Right, we're going to leave this season's Champions League behind us now and concentrate on next season's Champions League because the race for the top four is on. Nothing is decided yet and Manchester United and Chelsea are both hoping that their game tonight will edge one of them closer to that top four position. We'll talk about it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. We're talking Premier League now. There is a Premier League fixture tonight. One of those catch-up fixtures that we lost earlier in the season. Manchester United versus Chelsea. Apologies if you're a Chelsea fan because this is going to be a little bit one-sided because Dan and Joel on the podcast today are both die-hard Reds. And I want to start with Manchester United, Dan, because... Earlier this week, on Monday's podcast, I think it was, we were questioning the potential wisdom of announcing Ten Hag midway through a season with eight games or so left because we saw it with Manuel Pellegrini at Manchester City when they announced the arrival of Pep Guardiola. The results dropped off. It feels like he couldn't really motivate that team into the final stages of that season. Are you noticing any changes with Manchester United now in terms of performance, either good or bad, since the announcement of Ten Hag as the next Manchester United manager? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny. Like we, I stood there at, at, at Arsenal the other day with my mates and we were kind of, even though we con- United conceded a goal, like a hilarious goal, even by United standards of consecutive errors conse- <laughs> in the first two <laughs> minutes. And that is one of the greatest things about this team is the consecutive errors that they constantly make. You see these goals where literally every member of the back five has done something disgraceful. But um, that, that was United's best performance in a long time. And they still mm. managed to get beat by Arsenal, who aren't any good either. Um, but I think that the announcement of the manager was, was good ultimately because they needed some kind of positivity and they weren't playing for Rangnick. So it wasn't, it couldn't, like Liverpool, I, I remember at Anfield standing there and we were like, this can't get any worse now. I mean, obviously it can get worse. This season can get a whole lot worse. 
But in terms of United's actual performance, that really felt like the pits. It's not possible to get worse than that. And they were better. They were be- they, they were better against um, against Arsenal. I don't think it was necessarily because of the appointment. Because one of the things that is really odd about this group of players and aggravating about them is that the lack of effort that they've put in this season when their own professional life is at stake. Like, if you forget their responsibility to perform that they have to the supporters, to the people that pay their wages, all the rest of it, just their personal pride, you're kind of watching them playing, thinking, do you not, do you, do you not want to be in the Champions League next season? Because if do you United genuinely just... think it is a, Do you genuinely think it is a lack of effort? Because it, that always baffles me in terms of... It's a criticism that's often levelled at footballers. And I can't get my head around the idea that a footballer plays professional football without wanting to try. I can't get my head around the idea that someone plays five-a-side football without wanting to try. What's the point in stepping on the pitch if you, ha- if you haven't got an intention to put the effort in? So do you genuinely believe that's an issue with these Manchester United players? Yeah, I do. And it's not just a lack of effort. It's a lack of intensity, which is a slightly different thing. Like a la- lack of competitive intensity. But if you can't understand how someone doesn't try in football, it's just... The, the greatest tribute that there is to human laziness and human skiving is when you watch a fight and you'd be surprised how often this happens. You watch a fight and one of the fighters or both the fighters gas. And if you gas, if you gas in a, in, in a fight, you're in a cage and the punishment for gassing is a serious beating. And you see that happen. You don't see it happen occasionally. You see it happen relatively often where you watch a fight a gas. Now, when you think about it like that, then if you, if you then think about it, that in any field of human endeavour, people always skive at work sometimes. So the idea that a footballer wouldn't do it because they love football or they're, they're playing in front of a crowd or whatever, it's, it's not the case. Because there's not a single job in the world and not a single person in the world who sometimes doesn't skive at work. What the thing is here with these lads is that they do it as a unit and they do it often. And you see it in their running stats. They're not running as far as far or as fast as they were last season or as far as fast as everyone else is. And Ole said it when he came in because they hadn't been doing it for Mourinho and they hadn't been doing it for Van Gaal. And these managers, these, these players, they, they know until this point, if they don't like the manager, then don't put it in and there'll be another one along in a minute. And that they've got some of them, like David De Gea has seen away Moyes and Van Gaal and Mourinho and Ole and Rangnick now, and if that's even if you just forget the caretakers. And so the players have, have a lot of power, and you also have to look at it from the other point of view, from the players, that if you're not happy at work, which it doesn't look like any of them are, if you don't believe in your boss, which it doesn't seem like any of them do, then again, it can be hard to reach the elite level of competitive intensity that you see from the way that Liverpool play. And we keep coming back to Liverpool, because they're a really good example of, if you took Jurgen Klopp away from that team, gave any other manager that team, you would not see a team that was ready to look like they might win all four trophies. Because what Jurgen Klopp gives them, it's not just the tactical organisation, it's the belief in themselves, the belief that they're never beaten, that they'll win every game and they'll win every game doing it their way. And that is the genius of Jurgen Klopp is much more a human resources genius than a football genius. Not saying he's not good at the football side as well. And if if you, so if you think about the fact that they have that with Jurgen Klopp, United have it with Fergie, if you take that away, then it's not surprising particularly that things drop and it looks like they're not putting in the same amount of effort because Mm. they're not. Kind of outlines the big job that awaits Ten Hag when he does take over fully as Manchester United boss. 
Joel, in terms of this game tonight, it's a race for the top four at the moment. I think Chelsea are probably going to get a top four position. Manchester United very much in the balance at the moment. Would it be a disaster for either team if they did miss out? I guess my argument here is that for Chelsea, there's a lot riding on them getting top four. They're in a situation where they're trying to sell the club at the moment and being within the Champions League is helps them in terms of potential suitors and value of that football club. For Manchester United, there is 100% a need for redevelopment and redevelopment sometimes needs space and it needs time. So is there an argument that Manchester United potentially could be better not being in European competition next season to give them that time and space for players to bed in and develop you would hope so but then it means potentially dropping into the third tier european competition and that's not something that excites many of us well yeah you'd have to finish eighth wouldn't you i suppose eighth yeah would be the way i think go. it depends on what west ham do as well so <laughs> it's, yeah it's not the most um attractive proposition going to like albania and kazakhstan for these away days but um yeah i think with ten Hag, it probably would be beneficial for him to just start with a clean slate let's say the ideal scenario is we miss out on Europe altogether because we deserve it we deserve to not be in Europe this season because like we say on the pitch they just seem to have been resounded to what's happening this season especially after Rangnick said after the Arsenal game that top four is done which I think I disagree with him when he said that because now if they were if they weren't putting any any effort in before. You can bet your life on the fact that they're going to put zero in now. The only <laughs> thing they have left to play for is pride. And I don't think any even really care about that because half of them are on the way out anyway. So it's a it's a perfect storm. They have nothing much to play for. They know they're going to get contracts at the end of the season with all these different clubs. Um, but like Jose Mourinho said a few years ago, you should always look at which clubs they play for and if they even end up playing for them when they leave United. Apart from Paul Pogba, potentially, every other player will take a step down 100%. And that kind of it just is kind of vindictive of where the United squad are, rewarding average players with inflated contracts. It's almost like a money laundering scheme in some ways, just the way that they were pumping money around these players who just didn't deserve it. But I think for Ten Hag, regardless, it will be good for him to just be able to focus on building a squad again rather rather than having the distraction of Europe. But I wouldn't mind being in the Europa League next season just because he probably would be able to go a decent amount of the way there. And as we've seen with your West Ham, uh, it throws up a few nice away days as well, which <laughs> you can't be arguing about. I'd like to make it clear to Manchester United and their very well-paid lawyers that we're not actually accusing them of money laundering. That was just a, a quip <laughs> from Allegedly. Yeah. Um in, in terms of how these two teams, Chelsea and Manchester United, have performed this season, Joel, they've both been disappointing, I think. I, think I, I, I backed Chelsea to be title contenders this season, and here they are, 15 points off the top of the table as it stands. Manchester United, you would have hoped they were going to get top four, but that's looking like a challenge. They're six points behind Arsenal at the moment there. If you're going to pick your chief underperformer from these two contenders, who would it be? Honestly, for me, I think it has to be Chelsea because if you're paying £100 million for a striker in Lukaku, you're the European champions. Let's not forget that as well. It seems to be brushed under the carpet a little bit. I think they should have well, I remember you saying at the start of the season that you felt that they were titles contenders and I just didn't see it. And the reason for Lukaku that... I thought Lukaku was the missing piece of the puzzle. I thought he'd be the bit that fitted into that team and turned them into kind of those extra three wins they needed a season to top the table. But, I mean, I couldn't have been more wrong. 
Well, I think that's what they thought too. But after that devastating interview with the Italian media, it seems as though it's just the writings on the wall with that one. Um, I think it's been massively downplayed, Chelsea's achievements this season. Even though they could still win an FA Cup and finish top three, I think they should have been going toe-to-toe with Chelsea, uh, with Liverpool and Manchester City. And I think the reason why that's kind of been allowed now is because of the off-field situation. However, before that, they were out of it anyway. So for me, I think that they have massively, massively underachieved considering what they were before the season and the signings that they made. There's a lot of uncertainty around Chelsea at the moment, Dan, in terms of not just the ownership and Roman Abramovich obviously putting the club up for sale, but the big name departures that they've got coming in the summer as well. So they know there's going to be a massive overhaul of the playing squad. Does it feel like that's impacted their form and disrupted their season over the last couple of weeks? Um, in general, footballers, like serious footballers, are quite good at drowning out all the other stuff that's going on, I think. I doubt that it has bothered the players that much. Like, like United players were generally not that fussed about the ownership and going back even further, if you, th- if you remember with Leeds, when Jonathan Woodgate and Lee Bowyer were accused of all sorts, they still managed to get their heads straight and play football well. I actually disagree with Joel that I, I don't think this Chelsea team are that good like they weren't that much better than United last season and United were miles off City um, so I mean and I, I don't I didn't really expect them to win the league because I spent a couple of years watching Romelu Lukaku so I feel like I've got a good idea of the kind of player he is and I think he's a good player but I would say I think of all the players I've ever seen that have scored as many goals as he has he is the worst finisher he's not someone who I would back to score in a game in a big game where you only get one chance He's not someone who generally tends to score difficult finishes either. If you look at the way he finishes, it tends to be sort of like low tariff difficulty ones, and sometimes you don't you don't get those. He's just he's he's obviously a good player. I'm not saying that he's rubbish. He's obviously a good player, but he's not someone who I would put in the top echelon of strikers. Like if you said to me, I I would I think I must I've probably seen close to ten better centre forwards at United than the time I've been watching Romelu Lukaku than Romelu Lukaku is. And then if you look through the Chelsea team, they just struggle to put it together going forward. Obviously, Tuchel's a really good coach. But if you look at what he actually did when he came in, first of all, like he picked Rudiger, who Lampard had decided was rubbish. But if you look at the way he built that team, three centre-backs, two defensive midfield players in front of them, two wing-backs, both of whom are defenders. If you do that with quality players and an organisation, they'll be difficult to beat by any team. And that makes them a massive threat in cup competitions, as we saw when they won the Champions League. But in terms of beating all the teams that you need to beat every week, beating all those rubbish teams twice, that is where Chelsea have struggled. Because although they have that solidity at the back that enables them to beat anyone on any given day, they don't have the fluidity going forward and the goals in them that you need to challenge for the league title. And I didn't, I didn't think Lukaku was gonna was gonna give them that, but. They obviously do have instability now because no one knows how much money they're going to have in the future. And players who've got options who can get out are definitely going to be thinking about that because whatever we know about the new Chelsea owners, is it's not a donation. They're not trying to stay alive or trying to advance Russian cause or whatever it is where you can just chuck as much money as is necessary at something. Whoever comes in now is going to want a return. And the more members of that consortium there are, the more people that are going to want returns, the more different opinions there are going to be. And I don't think that will massively be troubling the players now, 
But in terms of players that have options and decisions to make about how they're going to fulfil themselves in their career, they will start to see Chelsea as a less good option than they did under Abramovich. Because under Abramovich, you had someone just handing out money and it's not going to be like that now, whoever it is, whoever owns them eventually. In terms of tonight's game, there's very different stories for player availability. Player availability. Um, Anthony Rudiger, sorry, Antonio Rudiger and Rhys James both back for Chelsea after injury. But for Manchester United, the treatment room is standing room only. Harry Maguire, Jaden Sancho out, Cavani out as well. Luke Shaw, Fred, Paul Pogba, potentially Wan Bissaka could be out as well for tonight's game. United down to the bare bones, virtually. Joel, are they going to have enough to win at home against Chelsea? No. Um, I think everyone's going to come home. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, the rise on the wall with this one, isn't it? No one's expecting anything from this side now. Everyone's waiting for Ten Hag to come in, waiting for the season to end. It's going to be a disappointing one, I can tell you that right now. Um, <laughs> and I would play some of the kids and just get a little bit of the excitement going in Old Trafford. I'm not saying completely bed the whole side with kids but get a bit of excitement maybe play Garnacho, maybe play Hannibal just a couple of these guys who can actually because even when Hannibal came on against Liverpool it felt like everyone was lifted a little bit especially the United fans just because it felt like someone wanted to fight for the badge for the first time in a long time um, but then I'd also be very careful of bringing in kids in this environment which isn't the best to bed in your kids so um, yeah Basically, in conclusion, don't expect a miracle today because you're not going to get it. Well, that game kicks off tonight, uh, 8 o'clock, I think the kickoff is for Manchester United versus Chelsea. Dan, we mentioned earlier you have another podcast on the Sports Social Podcast Network, United Rewind, and you can understand at the moment the need for Manchester United fans to look back to the glory days rather than concentrate on the current state of the football club. Tell us a little bit about United Rewind. Yeah, we've become Liverpool, haven't we? Like, um, where, where there's nothing good going on in the present. So United Rewind is a podcast where what we do is every episode we, we pick a match. It might be a good game, it might be a crap game from United's history. And um, we go through, we watch the game and then we, we talk about the game. We talk about the things surrounding the game, like what was going on in the world at the time, what was what films we were watching, what music we were listening to, what people were saying in the newspapers. And I guess as you do as a football supporter, we take the out of the players, we take the out of ourselves, If tell the stories of our, our stories from the games, if there were games we went to, or people send in their memories of the games that if they were at the game or how they how they watched the game and when we look at and then try and put it in context of what did it mean in the end and sometimes the answer is nothing at all and other times the answer is lots of things and it's just yeah just I guess an enjoyable way of uh, kicking about stuff that stuff that happened once um Tony Soprano once said remember when is the lowest form of conversation but as we all know <laughs> the lowest forms of conversation are often the best forms of conversation where you can find United Rewind if you want to hark back to the glory days. You can find it on the Sports Social Podcast Network. And the Not Glory Days. And the Not Glory Days as well. Those <laughs> disappointing defeats. Uh, or you can just search United Rewind, wherever it is you find your podcasts. Right, we're going to wrap up today's podcast with West Ham's trip. Well, no, not trip. Trip to London. They're welcoming Frankfurt to the London Stadium for their first leg of the Europa League semi-final. We'll talk about it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. 
computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. I can't believe that West Ham versus Frankfurt has got bottom billing on today's podcast. Absolutely gutted. (laughs) That's where we are. And West Ham face a chance of getting to the Europa League final. The biggest game, I think, in my memory as a West Ham fan. But is this the biggest game in West Ham's recent history, Daniel? I I guess the only other competition would be the FA Cup defeat to Liverpool. So it's a bit of a no-brainer. Maybe. I mean, I guess you've got playoff finals as well. Yeah, that's which true. Which uh, also... But in terms of like the excitement of it all, I mean, I, I my guess... I mean, I'm not... I guess you, you, you'd be a better judge of this than me. But I, I, I mean, it is... It is a colossal game and it doesn't necessarily matter if it's bigger than this one or bigger than that one because this is the one that's happening tonight and it is just colossal for West Ham. And you... I mean, I quite, I quite fancied them at the start of this competition because the thing about West Ham is that they, they know exactly what they're doing. The players have been playing together quite a while now. They're very difficult to score against and they're good for at least one goal in every game, whether it's from a set piece or from open play. And that makes them difficult to play against because physically they are monstrous and they also have a lot of ability and some guile. And they're not they're just not an easy night for anyone. It doesn't matter who that team is. So, I, I mean, I fancy West Ham to get through this one. I think, I'm assuming, I'm, I, I think Leipzig will probably win the other time. That is a very difficult game. But they've done really well to get... To, to avoid Leipzig because there's much more chance they beat them in a one-off than over two legs, assuming Leipzig beat Rangers. So, yeah, it is a massive game for West Ham. And I think I think they've got a really good chance of getting it done. I mean, as Dan says, Joel, one of West Ham's key attributes this season has been very, making themselves very difficult to score against. And that is going to be one of the challenges for West Ham in this game is the lack of defensive options. One fit centre-back, and that fit centre-back is big doors, Craig Dawson. So they're going to have to work hard not to concede any goals. Do you think that's the kind of performance we're going to see from the Hammers tonight? Is it going to be all about containment? We're going to see five at the back. We're going to see two defensive midfielders. And they're going to hope to score, again, as Daniel says, from from a free kick or a set piece. Well, I think these are the types of games where the guys in the shadows suddenly make a name for themselves, especially when you have all these kind of injuries. Uh, But... Frankfurt, although they can't be underestimated, they're in terrible form in the league at the moment. They've not won a game in the last five. I think they just saved all their energy for that game at the New Camp um, and all of the 40,000 fans that got in as well. Um, but I think you're a better place to, to ask this, Jim. How do you, what, What's the kind of feeling around West Ham and the fans at the moment? Because obviously this is like... It's probably the biggest game in their history, is it not? I think it's a very big game and I think West Ham fans are hugely confident about progressing through, certainly about getting a victory in this first leg. I'm less confident, but but that said, against Chelsea at the weekend, I think we saw a blueprint for how West Ham will approach this game. It will be one centre-back with Cresswell and um, Johnson coming in from their full-back positions to play three at the back with then probably Masuaku on the left and uh, Soufal on the right. So a hugely defensive lineup, And then you've got Declan Rice and Suchek kind of defending 
that back line. So, yeah, I think it will be all about containment and throwing the big men forward when the opportunity arises and trying to grind out that victory, which probably isn't what West Ham fans want to see. But at the same time, it's probably our best chance of success going through to the final or to a potential final. I think for me, Dan, I don't know a great deal about Frankfurt and I don't think a huge amount of English fans will know a large amount about Frankfurt. They're not traditionally one of the big German teams. They're not Dortmund. They're not Munich. So what do we know about them other than they managed to beat Barcelona 4-3 over two legs in the last round? I'm not a good person to ask this question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think... um, I don't know is the answer to that. Um, Have you got any intel, Joel, on Frankfurt? Do you know anything about them? I mean, they do feel... It's kind of like... I don't know, like St. Pauli or something like that. No one really knows much about them other than the fact they yeah. exist. All I, all I know is they've got an impressive airport and they beat Real <laughs> Betis in the last round. I went, I've um, been to the airport as well. I went there on the way to Moscow a, in 2008. It is, <laughs> it's a great European hub to get to all of you where you need to go. That's all I know. Um, <laughs> also, the fact that, I don't think he's there now, but the Real Madrid striker, um, his name, what's his name now? I, I mean, this is name, the kind the of insight Serbian that people guy. come to the uh, football social <laughs> but, day what, need to have, isn't it? But this is the thing. The, I, I feel as though West Ham need to make sure they don't go too conservative and end up getting hit like a deer in the lights in terms of just the occasion because Frankfurt, now they're going to believe they can beat absolutely anyone after going to the new Camp and getting a result. You just have to hope that the occasion doesn't get the better of West Ham because sometimes you get these teams where you reach these heights and suddenly... All the game plan goes out the window. They look a little bit frozen. Um, I feel as though they still need to go and attack it, especially at home as well. If you go away and you don't have anything to show for it, going to Frankfurt, it's going to be such a difficult ask. I don't really see that with this West Ham team, I think. You can see that they're full of solid characters. And I know they're missing players, but what you also see when a team are really united and together and they really know what they're doing and they really believe in what they're doing, and they have the kind of characters that gets that get it done, is that when you bring players in and you take players out, like they find a way of absorbing the losses of the players that they need. And that's what they've been doing in this competition to this point in this season. And I think like just the team that you went through before, Jim, as you were going through it, that to me sounded like a solid team and the team that I'd expect to get a decent result tonight. Um, and they're just so full of confidence after getting rid of Sevilla that... This, I mean, I, uh, Frankfurt are as well after getting rid of Barcelona, but both teams think that they can do it. And I think that West Ham just have, have, they have a method. And so when you have a method, it enables you to bring players out and to take players out and bring players in. And everyone still knows what their job is and knows what they're doing, which isn't to say that they wouldn't rather have their centre-backs playing, but they've still got a back three that would have played together a lot. And in front of them, as you say, they've got Rice and Suchek. And getting through those two Starkers um, is not an easy job. And I think that uh, I, for that reason, I would be confident if I was a West Ham fan. I mean, I, maybe if I was a West Ham fan, I'd be thinking, how am my team going to mess it up? But, if, <laughs> but looking, at it, looking at it as a neutral, if I, I could say if I was a West Ham fan, I'd be confident that this group of players... And with this manager, know what to do tonight. And I don't think you'll see them freeze. I'd be really surprised if they froze. Do you not think a lack of experience could play into this one? That I mean, there's a lot of players there that have no experience of getting to this stage of a competition. Declan Rice obviously does have that experience, having got to the finals of the Euros. David Moyes is a manager. 
He has only ever been to one final during his long career. That was against Chelsea in the FA Cup with Everton back in 2009. They lost that game. So there is a, a team here that aren't used to being at the sharp end of competitions. But sometimes you see that players get more nervous during their careers because they get used to it more. Like Then they're thinking more about legacy and they, they understand how much it means. I don't think that that these players will be sitting there bricking it about what awaits them. I think they'll be absolutely buzzing about what they what they're able to achieve. And I don't I don't think it's necessarily a thing about whether you've been there before or whether you haven't. It feels like it's more a personality thing. Are you the kind of person that experiences nerves or are you not? And even if you are someone that experiences nerves, it's then how do you cope with those nerves? And I don't think that is just about whether you've done something before or whether you haven't. And I don't look at the characters in this team and think that you've not done this before, therefore you're going to freeze. I look at them and think, I actually like believe in you that you've got the moxie and the confidence and the belief in your method that you think you can go out and deliver. And that's what I see when I look at this team. I hope you're right. 180 minutes of football between West Ham and a major European final, which happens to take place on my birthday as well. I think the writings, oh. it's in the stars somehow, like a little birthday trip out to Seville. Very nice. Uh, right, that is it for today's Football Social Daily. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget you can check out Dan's podcast, United Rewind. It's on the Sports Social Podcast Network, or you can find it wherever you find your podcasts. Search United Rewind for that. And make sure you have already subscribed to this podcast. There is a fresh dose of Premier League chat every single day with Football Social Daily and we'll see you next time Football Social Daily find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk I'm Victoria Cash thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline if you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1 if you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2 we heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.